0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good Shit. Today, I want to talk about the double standard between trans people and cis people, or just generally the LGBT community and the non-LGBT community, in terms of the sensationalism of our issues and lifestyle and what we do with life and how, actually, because most people aren't LGBTQIAA, whatever, because most people aren't that, most issues around sexuality and gender and sex and body image and sexuality and all of that are are not actually issues of the lgbt community i'm just going to say lgbt for the sake of being brief are not actually issues of the lgbt community they just they seem you know sensationalized and insane and crazy and uh because the lgbt community is defined around around sexual orientation itself and around gender itself. So it seems like it's, it's, it's a huge issue, but actually it isn't. And, 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 and heterosexual cisgender people have the benefit of being part of this background of normalcy. And so their issues, even when they are much greater than any issue in the LGBT community, somehow seems okay even when it might bring a lot more pain and struggle and it might be way more controversial than an issue in the LGBT community. Um, there's there's loads of examples around this. Uh, I literally, <laughs> there is no order to this. It is just a, a diarrhea of bullet points they're not bullet points they're actually bubbles that are like clouds for example uh, you know the first one i wrote is incels involuntarily celibate this is a thing but i feel like i don't really want to start with that (laughs) that seems like a weird thing to start a weird place to start um let's start with marriage that one is fairly vanilla uh, marriage, you know, the and, and this is the thing, the difference between the fantasy of what lifestyle a cishet person might aspire to versus an LGBT person. And the fantasy of marriage for a cishet person is perfect. You meet the perfect person. You love them. They love you. Your bodies are perfect for each other. You have perfect sex. You like it. They like it that the fruit of that activity that you are super happy about is a child or two or three or four and you have a perfect family and that's the fantasy of it. And it's possible. It's certainly possible. But it's certainly not to be expected. At any point in that fantasy, things can go pretty wrong. And pillars of six, 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 head pillars of six, six, oh my God, I actually can't say pillars of cishet activity are very heavily focused around breaking those points in terms of not committing to be married, in terms of using contraception because you don't want to have children, whatever. There's, you know, the point is the fantasy doesn't materialize. And No one in their right mind would actually expect it to materialize in its fullness. But the fantasy is powerful. And so even just being able to potentially access that fantasy is enough reason to feel comfortable in yourself and feel like you fit in and you're normal, even when the reality of it is literally the opposite of the fantasy. Now, moving on to the fantasy for... Some sort of average generalized lGBT person I mean this is going to be super super generalized um, just for the sake of comparison of vaguely somehow being in the LGBT community versus being outside of it. I've forgotten to to set the screen to never again, but okay, I've done that now. So the, the, the lifestyle fantasy that someone in the LGBT community can expect is really nowhere near that rosy. And again, this is just the fantasy. It can be a good fantasy or a bad fantasy. Uh, the point of fantasy is that it's just not real, right? So the fantasy for the LGBT is, you know, a hard life where no one understands you and you'll, you'll have all these struggles and you'll be alone. And, oh, it's just so, so depressing and horrible. Um, and even when the reality of, of it is, is different, when you see really happy couples, really happy families, it's almost as if people want to reject that. Like, oh, no, they can't really be happy. They're pretending, you know, They're they're not really having a good life. You know, they're secretly messed up on the inside and they're not really happy. <laughs> and even for straight people sometimes people are cynical and do that you know there's a happy couple and it's like oh no you know they're cheating on each other or there's some sort of dark secret but you see how people naturally reject this fantasy when they see it in real life because they know it's not real life and it can't be real and it's very unlikely you know you can tell when it's real you can tell when the love is genuine but you just know that it's not it's not common it's it's just a fantasy it's not real life so people reject that. And I suppose the, the gay marriage thing pretty much highlighted this 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 concept um, for marriage, where, you know, how is gay marriage interfering with your marriage? And if you're so obsessed with marriage, then why are you getting divorced? So I think that, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. That's relatively boring compared to a bunch of these other things. And now I'm going to move on to the incel stuff. Involuntarily celibate. Um, I've, I've not looked into this because, seriously, I'm not that sad and I don't have that much time to look into this type of thing. But from what I've seen, it is a community of men, straight men, who are very disappointed at the realization that the way they are perceived by women or by society is not great and they think has resulted in them being undateable and essentially not having a shot on the dating scene at having sex with someone or being in a relationship with someone so celibate is when you don't do that on purpose for whatever reason but involuntarily celibate means you've ended up in that situation without wanting to you do want to be in a relationship you do want to have sex you do want to be with someone but but because of you know they blame whoever society whatever because of this force you've ended up not being able to do that and i mean it's easy to feel sorry for yourself i think a lot of people could somehow relate to the general theme of not finding someone without necessarily blaming a specific person for it um but in terms of you know, LGBT versus non-LGBT. Oh, being LGBT makes you weird, and no one will love you. And it's like, okay, but look, one of the big issues of heteronormative society is gender roles and the inherent definition of them being different or, or even unequal. So this has resulted in a bunch of issues that the LGBT community doesn't have to deal with and has a much easier time with. Um, So you've got all these men who in the fantasy should find this woman who loves them very much and they should merge their perfect bodies together and make children. And instead, what are they doing? They're coming together and being like, I'm not getting any. I'm not getting any either. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Very far removed from that fantasy. Now, whether there is any merits to that, Uh, is a different conversation, not this conversation. So moving on, let's talk about sex, bad sex. You know, oh, in the LGBT community, your genitals don't match together. And I'm like, back up, back up for a second. Let's look at the non-LGBT world. The genitals match together perfectly. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? And then you see all the rape and you see the bullshit that goes on in people having sex, straight sex. And it's just unbelievable. It's just literally mind-blowing. And it just kind of makes me think of the Victorian times when people thought, oh, sex is for men and women don't enjoy it. And they weren't wrong, were they? The only difference is they were being honest about the fact that women were not enjoying it. Whereas now, or more recently after that, They were just pretending and then thinking, actually, mm, something is not quite right. And then saying, "Okay, they're not supposed to enjoy that kind of sex and becoming empowered about exactly what kind of sex you do enjoy. And. A theme around around that. (laughs) I I find it funny because. Uh, I don't really think about that much. But these things just become very apparent. And and it's quite easy to to learn a lot of these things from other people's experience. And they become society-level realizations that then become talking points for a lot of people. So this is not so much coming from my personal experience um, but it's just coming from the experience of others and and the general societal awareness of these things, and where sex has been defined in the hetero heterosexual society as this specific image of what's going on, where the male genitals enjoying themselves is sex with someone else is with a with a woman, let's say for that kind of context is sex and, you know, the female genitals enjoying themselves is foreplay and is optional. And and that's just, you know, I'm not even going to dwell on that, but just a small example of, of this whole thing. You know, non-LGBT sex is not some sort of miracle activity that people enjoy. Apparently quite the opposite again i'm so not going to dwell on that but again within the lgbt community because there is inherently this lack of assumption and maybe the lack of a fantasy which is a problem the lack of a you know having a nice fantasy it can be a good thing because it makes you aspire to something and it makes you believe that your life can be good but it can also be a very toxic thing when it's completely unrealistic and you will inevitably be disappointed and inevitably just feel like you've fallen very short of that fantasy. So for the LGBT community to not have this heteronormative sexual fantasy to to kind of cling on to is, is is bad because it almost makes you question whether you can have a good happy life in whatever way, whatever that means, but it can also be a bit of a blessing because it allows you to design your own life and to define your own happiness. So instead of thinking, I'm going to do this thing and it's supposed to be good and I might find out later that actually wasn't good after all, I'm going to actually just ask myself, well, what do I want? What does feel good? And just have that as a starting point instead of an unattainable fantasy. And I think that applies to sex too, where there's an inherent equal starting point and there isn't this weird ingrained concept of, this is sex and you just you do it you either do it or you don't do it and how you feel about it and what you think about it is not as important as what other people think about it um so yeah you know within the lgbt community that's less so the case because it doesn't have to be the case whether people are able to take that as an opportunity to craft their own version of their happy life or whether that mm, leaves people confused and lacking role models and lacking an image of what that could look like, you know, that's up for, up for debate and something that changes with time in different places for different people. Another area I think is cosmetic surgery, for example, um, the concept of changing your body or, uh, you know, tricking people about your body. And, you know, this is for trans people getting top surgery. Somehow, just the whole process of transitioning, um, someone, you know, getting boobs or getting rid of boobs uh, is some sort of crazy, over-the-top, insane uh, Frankenstein experiment but cis had people just fancying a d cup instead of a c cup is totally empowered and super cool <laughs> i want to be super cool for my top surgery don't leave me behind infertility this is a big one this is this is one of the reasons uh, people in the lgbt community are made to seem like oh my god your life is so hard and oh it's so depressing and you know it's 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 i suppose a difference between kind of just and this is pro, this is a subset of people obviously this doesn't apply to to most people who who don't have this issue but let's just focus on the ones that do you know if you're in the lgbt community and for whatever reason there isn't a straightforward conception route. You are aware of it from the beginning. Most of the time. Obviously, there's there's other situations where even then you something else happens because these, these things kind of come out of the blue or whatever. Now, the, the first thing is... Being LGBT is not being infertile. First of all, I think that is the main thing. Um, for some reason... People think that if you're not in a relationship with someone that you have sex with, that you are having a child with, then then that makes you infertile. It doesn't make you infertile. Infertility is about your gametes in your body. It's about, do you have these cells that can make a person? Um, And maybe also, if applicable, yourself be pregnant with a baby. That's what fertility is about, Fertility is not about how do I feel about this, this person that I'm having a child. That's not fertility. <laughs> By that definition, every straight person that's ever had kids and got divorced suddenly becomes infertile. <laughs> oh, well, you don't like this person anymore. So you're infertile. What? Come on, don't be so ridiculous. So first of all, LGBT people are not infertile. What are you talking about? Obviously, most infertility cases and research and services are from heterosexual straight people, by heterosexual straight people, for heterosexual straight people. Oh my God, I just realized I just said heterosexual straight people. <laughs> I meant cis. <laughs> are you a heterosexual straight person? <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're the field of, of heterosexual straight cis people it's it's by them for them it's not an LGBT thing right being LGBT is not as nothing' has got nothing to do with infertility and this is an anecdote I knew a lesbian who had had a child with a gay man non-purpose they were teenagers very young and I don't know whether they'd come out as gay yet, but they just ended up. Being together, and they just ended up having sex, and she got pregnant. So, the most unlikely, unbelievable combination of people, a lesbian and a gay man, somehow accidentally fucking and having a kid. I know for a fact this happened. So, I think people's impression of, oh, you need to have a sexual orientation to have sex, to have kids, is not quite as tight as it seems. People have sex for slightly different reasons than they get in relationships for. And if you want a kid, and having sex is a way to have a kid, I think people are open to it. So this this logic uh, is, is not quite airtight. Uh, and I also know some other gay guy who, again accidentally somehow ended up having sex with a woman and and she got pregnant and had a kid. So so sexual orientation does not have to have anything to do with sex. And again, in the straight world, people's sexual behavior is not aligned with their relationship behavior. Hashtag infidelity, Mm -hmm. hashtag divorce, hashtag whatever. Um, This is just an, an idealized construct of, wouldn't it be nice if the person you are having sex with is also the person you love is also the parent of your child blah 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 you know but that's again that is the fantasy and another point on that is if for whatever reason within the lgbt community you you don't have an option for a straightforward conception you are aware of it straight away and you just move on to A solution or an alternative to how you're going to get that done and and then once you get it done you know that that's what you want and you are totally into it in the straight cis world um and by the way i don't know this might sound like an accusation it's not it's actually i'm empathizing i'm empathizing with with these issues that uh cis straight people have that can be way worse than anything that, that that LGBT people have. Um, but because of this fantasy, these issues are are invisible, and they only come out in a big way when people talk about LGBT people. But that's not the case at all. The bulk of these sexual, triggering, disturbing experiences are straight people's experiences. They're cis people's experience, of, of course. Um, they're not the dominion of LGBT people, you know, and that's really the point that I'm trying to make. Um, I'm empathizing with non-LGBT people. And I'm also saying, you know, don't act as though LGBT people invented these problems. LGBT people did not invent bad sex, bad relationships, cheating, rape. You know, I could go on, but you you get the point. Versus, going back to that example, (laughs) it's like an argument within an argument, you know, I hope you can follow. So in the LGBT about fertility in the LGBT community, if you know that for some reason there is going to be a, a challenge to that, you you're aware you're you're aware of it from the very beginning. Whereas in the cis world, you might not be, and you might you know this is quite common. You, you you play along the fantasy that you're meeting someone and you're you're assuming their fertility and you're assuming your own fertility, or they're assuming your fertility, and you don't really you know you. You don't really check, you know, you're just assuming it. And then later on, you might find out that's not quite the case, which is not necessarily an insurmountable problem of any kind. But the problem, I think, is when people leave each other for it. When people say, you know, I said I didn't want kids, but actually I do. And I said I love you, but actually I was just hoping that you were going to get pregnant. And I mean, those situations are, I imagine, just absolutely heartbreaking uh, to basically realize that your relationship and your sexuality and your world was kind of hinging on an assumption that just wasn't right and didn't happen. And, you know, I think that kind of heartbreak around that is is, is maybe comparable to what a lot of trans people go through in terms of, having their whole identity and sexuality be misunderstood and misread where you're kind of holding on to something on the inside and then you realize that people don't quite see it and it's like oh crap and moving on to body body image that i sort of touched on that with cosmetic the point was more about the perception of, oh, do you have the right to do something to your body, and is it cool if you get if you get it done? But but the body the body body um, image and sexuality part of it is is uh, really more about just kind of dealing with it as it is without without necessarily any interventions or anything like that. And in, you know, in the trans community, you do see the general expectation of attractiveness play out. in a a much stronger way because obviously as a trans person you're instead of being at square zero you're at square like minus (laughs) ten so there's like a lot of catching up to do and and it's difficult to kind of see the line between transitioning from one gender to the other and then kind of still your foot is still on the acceleration and you've actually moved into a different territory that's nothing to do with gender it's just attract attractiveness so you see a lot of trans guys thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm too short, or I don't like my body type, you know, where it's not necessarily connected to the fact that they developed as female beforehand, but it's just a general feature of their body, even even if they had developed as male to begin with. And there are issues that, you know, cis-head people deal with already. Cis guys, you know, upset about their height or you know I, could, I mean seriously this is a huge topic in itself but the point is these issues around living up to expectations and self-esteem predominantly in many ways things that had people deal with you know it's not it's not a trans issue that you're you know you're struggling with your with body image and things like that and i think for the last bit a bit of a (laughs) this is a bit of a weird one Um, I don't know this guy's name but one of the the school shooters in America the one who wrote a huge manifesto about how women are awful because they don't give him a chance and he's such a nice guy and he doesn't understand why why he's you know why women don't fancy him he was part of this I guess, relatively toxic U.S. college culture where all these, you know, sex and body-obsessed people were having sex with each other and, and being very, really living their lives very much in alignment with their appearance. And so this guy didn't see himself fitting in at all because he didn't look like the other guys did. And so he thought the women were not interested in him and he couldn't really cope with that. So... He just did the obvious, which is shoot a bunch of people. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about this because it's fucked up, and it happened. This is not even a joke; like this is a reality, and it's disturbing. And he wrote, I think I don't know, like a huge book or something on um on how he felt justified in doing that because he thought these people were being toxic, and he was the 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 only sane person. And as the sane person, he was going to rid the world of them and it's not that it's not that there isn't a grain of truth in how that culture can be very toxic but his response is not exactly rational and is not helpful and is murderous and is criminal (laughs) so definitely not the right way of going about it just in case that needed to be argued any further. <laughs> um, and again, this is this is an extreme example, but I suppose it just kind of highlights this whole, um, you know, if if in this example, this heavily sexualized culture makes someone so disturbed and fuels someone's issues to the point where they think there's nothing they can do about it other than become a mass shooter, you know, it's not great. It's a pretty pathological thing to to go through. Um, And and, and the power of sexuality really comes from, obviously, um, cis straight people, just because, let's say, for most of history really that was the only thing that was going on um and so it's it's peculiar to see people acting and projecting these deep powerful issues onto people in the lgbt community when actually these issues aren't theirs they're not our, they're not our issues we just happen to be a perfect poster child for sexuality or gender because we're crossing these boundaries and, and questioning these assumptions, but these powerful, hurtful, disturbing issues that are clearly um, aroused in people, their origin is in the cis het world. Their origin is in the inequality of sexes and an inequality of, of gender roles and genitals. and LGBT people did not invent these issues. These are straight people's issues you know i mean that sounds sounds a bit weird um but i think in order to understand why they are problematic and triggering and uncomfortable it makes sense to look at the archetypes of cishet experience and not the lgbt experience i think people in the lgbt community are often In a situation where they move away from those archetypes, when they neutralize the archetypes, even just the concept of a same-sex relationship removes the challenges and the issues around opposite-sex relationships, if I can call them that, because everything to do with different genitals, different bodies, different genders, different whatever, is inherently neutralized and not to not to say that it it would it's just inherently easier but in the context of those issues that's what's going on and it's of course on an individual basis it's perfectly possible to deal with these issues perfectly fine and it doesn't have to be to do anything with your body or your sexuality or your gender at all but if you look at these issues as having a life of their own, the, the source, the source of the issues comes from the cisgender heterosexual experience. The issues around the fact that some bodies can get pregnant and some can't is connected to that. The issue of this genital getting more pleasure than this genital is inherently built in that the issue of conflicting interests and conflicting experiences taps into that. And these are heterosexual issues. And heterosexual people have to deal with a lot of this bullshit, and it is a lot to deal with. And my point is that the heterosexual fantasy that is perfect takes away from the reality that is actually embedded with all manner of issues and maybe many more than the average person in the LGBT community has to deal with. And I do think in some situations, maybe not now, maybe in the future, but in some situations, certainly, maybe on an individual basis, there are many experiences that LGBT people go through that are easier, that are better, more enjoyable than the counterpart um, if they, you know, if they were straight, those things wouldn't be as easy. Again, it's not, it's not competition of who has it easier, it's just an acknowledgement that what people actually go through and how those issues are seen by others is not necessarily aligned, where straight people can get divorced and cheated on and go through horrible things but because they have the benefit of this background of normalcy and access to this beautiful cishet fantasy, those issues are somehow not acknowledged or not really even you know, a lot of people normalize, I think, cishet issues, they normalize them. You know, people in marriages they say, Oh oh, it's okay, we're supposed to hate each other. You know, we're this is part of it. And you know, maybe that's something that needs to be questioned. And similarly, or, or not similarly, but people, people in same-sex relationships who just be, as a result of how the situation was set up for them have ended up having really strong, really authentic relationships because they weren't allowed to. So, of course, the inevitable result is that the relationships that do happen are actually very strong and very special and very enduring for them to come out and say, you know, yes, we are gay. Yes, we are in a relationship. Yes, we've been together for 50 years. And for people to see, actually, that is this love that everyone has been talking about. That is this relationship that we've, we all secretly aspire to. And ironically, that is the heterosexual fantasy that is the love and then on the other hand see all these heterosexual couples who are in arranged marriages or have got married because they felt pressure to and not out of love who just kind of bitch about each other and they're like oh you know i hate my wife or like i can't stand my husband and, and it's like which one is the real version of that fantasy but you see how the fantasy alone makes people do things they don't really enjoy and how the lack of a fantasy allows for the real thing to actually come out and say, well, actually, this is the real thing. Right. That's as good as the ending as I can think of for this one. See you next time.